Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation with your hosts. That's Lisa Roland over there. And that's Ted Demizon over there. We and are together hosting this episode for you. That's right. So here's, let's see. Here's what you got to know about what you're about to hear. Okay, boom. This episode's about love. It's about love. Valentine's Day is coming up. Who knows? It's probably going to be Valentine's Day itself by the time this thing is, is uh, released. Might well be. So so we are tackling love. We really, we're not tackling romantic love. A little bit. A little, we, we, we touch on it. Yeah, we touch on it. Yeah. But we, we range all the way from love of small things to big, worldly, godly love. And godly love. So... Lots of love. Lots of love stuff. And uh, we started with a simple question that Lisa asked me and kind of just went from there. Yep. This is the thing about a good question. It could take you a lot of places. That's right. So uh, we hope it proves fruitful for you. Yeah, we hope you like it. Uh, we like it. And we like you. And we're curators of things that we hope you like. Because yep. if you're still with us, apparently something's going well. That's right. And we're thankful for that. So we're going to hope not to ruin it now. <laughs> So without further ado, we'll let you get onto it, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, we'll catch up with you on the flip side. Enjoy, people. Enjoy. Here is the deal. Under the rule of Claudius the Cruel, Rome was involved in many unpopular and bloody campaigns. The emperor had to maintain a strong army but was having a difficult time getting soldiers to join his military leagues. Claudius believed that Roman men were unwilling to join the army because of their strong attachment to their wives and families. To get rid of the problem, Claudius banned all marriages and engagements in Rome. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius, continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. And when Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. He was condemned to be beaten to death with clubs, to have his head cut off. The sentence was carried out on February 14th, Honor about the year 270. Okay. Legend also has it that while in jail, St. Valentine left a farewell note for the jailer's daughter, who had become his friend, and signed it from your Valentine. There we go. In so. truth, legends vary on how the martyr's name became connected with romance. The date of his death may have become mingled with the Feast of Lupercalia, a pagan festival of love. On these occasions, the names of young women were placed in a box from which they were drawn by men, as Chance directed. <laughs> Chance is a powerful director. I think he won an Academy Award that year. There it is. All Best right. director. So that's what we have. Best matchmaking director. Chance, come on down. <laughs> the nominees are Chance, Fate. Your, and your parents. <laughs> parents and Elopement. And the winner, this year's winner, Chance. Yeah, here we are, February 12th, mm -hmm. 2018. Couple of days from Valentine's Day, Couple in the days. month of love. Hearts are fluttering. Or not. Arrows are flying. Or But or, the greeting card industry would like us to think that. Yeah. Yeah, you had you did a, a couple improv shows this weekend with your awkward dinner party format. Uh-huh. And you played a woman in a couple where the couple made greeting cards. That's right. She was the artist and he was the poet, although she also had some some fine things to say too. But yeah, she ended up being kind of poetic. But he was the one who really could capture it. Yeah, I love that one. His they fell in love when he made an argument at a company meeting. They both worked for the same company, impassionately, impassionately arguing that St. Patrick's Day should have the same kind of. Yeah, there should be more more fervor around St. Patrick's Day, that it is a profound holiday. And you were riffing about St. Patrick and the snakes and renewal and... The four-leaf clover. No, the it was the four, the four no, it was the four-leaf clover and how, you know, the four-leaf clover is like the self and there's the ego and id and superego, but that fourth one is sort of our communal, the piece of us that is the same... The piece of us that is integrated with the whole, with one another, the one that is, and the earth, and that that's why it's so rare to find them, is because yeah. it's hard to find people who have that connected fourth fourth wow. pedal. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, St. Patrick. But it's not St. Patrick's Day yet, but maybe... But I think there's something it, about that that... It deserves some attention later. Yeah. applicable, so, yeah. So maybe we'll do an episode around St. Patrick's Day and... No, I mean, maybe some of that metaphor is applicable to, Saint, to Valentine's Day. Oh. I think, in my estimation... Okay. Love has a lot to do with that fourth so, connected pedal. Mm. 
Okay, well, so let's that start fourth, here. That fourth leaf. Sounds like the seventh wave. Of connection. So not e- not id, not ego, not superego, the fourth. <laughs> I mean, I just made that up, but, 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 it, but it has some wisdom. <laughs> yeah, the part that is not that is not regulating yourself, but is connected to others. Hmm. Love and connection. Yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, you yeah. heard. Yeah, you uh, you heard like, it. It's I'm all just making sure that I'm connecting and not just hearing. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I made it up. So whatever you heard, <laughs> it just came. But I think that that is that that bit about connecting okay. to. So all right. So do, today is about love. Yes, we're talking. We're talking about love. This episode is about love. In honor of Saint Valentine's Day. Yeah. But it doesn't have to mean that you have to have a Valentine or. Well, I think it doesn't. It's not. It's not purely romantic love. There we go. There we go. So as I was. Coming over to your apartment where we're recording today's podcast, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the many different kinds of love and the many different ways we talk about love and how it's this word that in some ways has lost value or resonance or something because it means so many different things, right? So like, mm. Mm, oh, I love this. I love spinach, you know. We're using the same word to describe, you know, oh my gosh, I feel like I belong in the world and there's another person who is recognizing me, seeing me, accepting all of who I am and hoping for my best well-being. Mm-hmm. And I love spinach. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> right, word. Right. So there's a challenge there of like, okay, what are we talking about here? And yet, I think it's like, the it's in my own personal way of seeing the world, understanding the world. I had a conversation with someone earlier this week about God. Mm. We were talking about how I don't go to church anymore. I don't particularly think of myself as religious. But And they said, well, do you believe in God? And I said, well, yeah, to some extent, but I think I might just well call it love. Mm-hmm. So here, that's a pretty big range. Yeah. Could be... From I love spinach. I love spinach to interpersonal connection where you you. feel recognized. I love you. And then like... To God. No, it's the animating force behind all things. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. (laughs) In this 45 minutes. (laughs) We're going to cover that and work it all out. Yeah. I And and saying all that, that's all thinking of love as a noun, mostly. Mm -hmm. And I think I like coming back to love as something Love is a verb. Love is a verb. We are loving. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you love? How do you love? How do you, how do you express and expressing care and expressing a wish for well-being and expressing a connection? Yeah. As you said, that fourth clover. Leaf. The fourth leaf of the clover. All right. Well, I actually have a question. Okay. For you. All right. So, so I was thinking about this, and I, yeah, I thought this answer this in whatever way it seems comes to you, but in what ways if. If um, mindfulness or med- meditation or mindfulness mm-hmm. is one circle and love is the other, what is inside the Venn diagram and what is mm-hmm. outside? So in which ways are they the same? Mm-hmm. And in which ways are they not the same? Cool. First thought that comes to mind. Yeah. Mindfulness helps us train our attention, mm-hmm. our ability to stay focused, to investigate, observe, and to do so with curiosity and kindness. So all of those things feel like that is what the verb, part of what the verb to love means. Mm -hmm. So if I'm saying I am loving this person or this uh, pet or whatever, like it's getting my attention, it's getting my care, I'm attending to its needs and I'm doing so with a, a general kindness as opposed to judgment, harshness. I'm not asking it to change. Mm hmm. Uh, I'm just being there with it. Mm-hmm. So that feels like the major overlap. Mm. But so, so oh, go ahead. But does that mean you're practicing love when you're practicing meditation? Like, are you loving yourself in that moment? Is that an act of self-love? So uh, there are some people who, when they talk about mindfulness, talk about it as bare attention, as a kind of almost mechanistic thing, like. Where's your spotlight going? Okay, boop. There it is. It's landed on this uh, coordinate. These coordinates, mm-hmm. latitude, longitude. There's your attention. Kind of clinical and unemotional. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's really that curiosity and kindness element 
that when that comes in, then yes, uh-huh. it's automatically generating it. Because, yeah, the curiosity says, I see you and I'm registering you. I want to know more about you. I want to know more. I'm, yeah. I'm, I want I'm invested. To be I'm a little bit invested in you. Yes. Yeah. And so the investigation is not clinical dissection. It's relational invest. It's. Yeah. Yeah. And then the curiosity. Do you I mean, think it's a the, loving thing to do for yourself? If we turn our attention to our own mind and our own patterns and our own experience, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. With that curiosity and kindness. Yeah. Rather than just the cold clinician approach. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's one piece. And then also, I don't know to what extent, like in secular, most secular mindfulness circles, you don't hear about loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion is starting to come in more. But the practice of loving kindness, which in Buddhism is, you know, working with, you might imagine different people in front of you and you'd say, um, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be mm-hmm. full of ease or, you know, whatever the sequence is. That that loving kindness meditation is an intention. You would give it to somebody who you don't know and then somebody who you know barely and then somebody that you know and trust and it's easy for you to send it to and then you might at the end of all that practice send it to somebody that's really difficult or challenging Mm -hmm. and i've done a loving kindness meditation and it is very powerful yeah super powerful very powerful and then some people who lead those then also well some do it at the beginning some do it at the end you turn that towards yourself yeah and you send those well wishes to yourself Mm -hmm. so in that sense yeah Mm -hmm. but that's not that's also not a romantic thing yeah so I think it mindfulness practice, yes, it's it's the the overlap is large. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of me and my relationships, friendships, connections that I have with people, I think it's a really loving thing when people pause and catch their reactivity. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's one of the ways I feel most loved when someone notices something that's come up, and they pause. They say, "Hold on a second let's work with this mm-hmm. before we go forward so it's not in the way yeah and great now this is we've got this free open table and mm-hmm. i'm not sure that metaphor works of an open table but we can feast yeah <laughs> does that make sense yeah yeah is there any overlap that you see that i'm missing you think i'm missing no i actually hadn't come up with an answer for this yeah thinking about it right now, I feel like I have heard that the greatest gift you can give anybody is the gift of your attention. And Mm -hmm. that I think one of the things that I love about love is that the people who love me care about the minute shit in my life. Mm -hmm. Like they care about the little details and I write them when I'm running late and I, you know, like I write them about how the little things have gone in my life, you know, and they care, they pay attention to those little things. And so in that way, paying attention is is loving mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is giving love is love, ing yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah, and so honing your attention and paying more attention to the world is like opening yourself up to care more about all of the things that are around you, mm-hmm. which is which feels very lovely. In a sense, it feels like going back to my love is that force which brings everything into being it feels like on one level that's why we're here one could say to kind of have this experience of being alive and so if you're not noticing anything you're not doing that yeah right right so when you say that's why we're here what do you mean i mean like what i imagine human life is for you think it's for something i wouldn't claim anything with certainty on that one (laughs) I really don't know. But do you imagine that we are here to do something? I think, yeah. I think we're here to create and learn and celebrate. Uh-huh. You know, like I think, of what, what can we humans do that other species can't do? Yeah. Well, we can think in a certain way that they can't, and we can manipulate objects in a way that other people... We can be self-aware. We can be self-aware. We can be reflective in a way that maybe they aren't. So I think that maybe some other animals have this capacity, but there's a way that we can can look around and go, whoa, 
Yeah. This is amazing. Right. We can be in awe. Yeah. And so then we get gospel music. Yeah. And that's like birds singing. Well, we can sing. You know, we can do our singing thing. So that's part of it. And then we can make art. And so it feels like we should do all the things that we have the capacity to do. That's right. Yeah. To look around, to look around and notice and to revel in it and to create. You know, there's some some folks I've read and appreciated. I'm thinking of Neil Donald Walsh who wrote Conversations with God or I guess he would say he didn't write it, but he published it. <laughs> he recorded uh, it. He recorded it. Uh, where it's like, yeah, the, don't think of this as a school where you have to learn lessons and you're either going to pass the grade or not. It's like the point is that you are representing, you are as much God as anybody else and like create. This is what God does. God creates. So get out there and do it. And I that's a way that. of expressing love. That's lovely. Yeah. So that that's always resonated with me. Yeah. Um, coming back to your Venn diagram, one place where I think mindfulness, or at least Buddhism, and love may be in separate parts, like they're not in the same overlaps yeah. area, is around attachment. Mm. And I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I think that one of the things about a deep connection with somebody else is like you say... Yeah, I'm going to overlap my boundaries with you. Mm-hmm. My sense of self, my sense of identity is going to get wrapped up in who you are. And we're sharing this territory. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, to the extent that I'm attached to my identity, I'm going to be attached to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the deal. And that's part of why it feels so good is to say, I'm, I'm breaking past the limitation of me. And I'm being... I'm a... including someone else. Yeah. But we're still having a boundary around the two of us. Yeah. We are now a team. Right. And so if one of us breaks that bond yeah. or breaks that agreement, it hurts in a different way because we've had that overlap. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, a simple mindfulness approach would just be like, well, this oh, is different that's what, that's what it is. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, look, I've cheated on you. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... And I think that there's something about that attachment that actually makes the experience better. Mm-hmm. That having an invest, like you're invested in how the story comes out. And so when it does come out well, you're like, yeah. Whereas yeah. if you'd been kind of more neutral and free flowing the whole time, it, it would be like, okay, this is good for right now. Yeah. So I, that's still an active question in my mind. Yeah. About whether it's healthy to cultivate that kind of attachment. And, and I think the way we think about love does that. Yep. And and I think there's value in it. Right now I'd say there's there's value in it that's beyond that kind of more meditational I aware that change happens and I'm not as attached to everything and mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, what we we talked about this on the podcast this summer when yeah. I my heart was broken. There was part of me that was like, "Okay, that happened. Whew, that's interesting." You know, look at how open my heart feels. And this now I'm getting to experience grief in a new way. No, oh, how very measured and, and understanding I am of this grief. Yeah, it was also, it wasn't, it wasn't just rational. It was like, oh, no, this is, I'm, I'm walking new territory. Yeah. That feels cool. I couldn't have gotten to that if I hadn't been hurt this way. Mm-hmm. But then there was a part of me that was just like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want any of this. It's this just, is bullshit. I want it back. Yeah. And that's so, the attachment you're talking about. Exactly. Is like, I like this and I want it. Yep. I want more. Yeah. So I think those might be in different parts of the circles. Hmm. But I agree with you that the that fundamental quality of attention and presence, somebody's hanging out with you and wants to be with you or wants to be with me, I feel loved. Oh my God. You know? Yeah. And it's, well, here's the interesting thing, especially if I want to be with them. If I don't want to be with them and they're offering me that presence, it's like, well, thank you, but... Mm. Right. So that's an interesting little tweak on that, too. Sometimes other people might be f- fully willing to be fully present with us, and we're like, yeah, but I don't really want it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mutuality is the MSG of attention. It's like, takes it from like, whatever, to like, this feels great! Without the toxicity, maybe? Sure, yes. Without the toxicity. <laughs> yeah. The of attention. What's that? Spike? Is that what the... There's a a condiment you can put on food. Spike is a thing. I think spike is MSG. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like... Ah! 
turbocharges right. the, the, you know, mm-hmm. makes it so good. Mutuality. That's... Yeah, man. That, I mean, that's the hardest thing to find. That's the thing, right? Like, that's the, that's the magical thing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, easy enough to find people that you really want to pay attention to, and there's plenty of people who really want to pay attention to you, and the, the whole bit in the romantic love hunt yeah. is finding the match there. Sure. Yeah, I think that's true in, with friendships and with yeah. professional connections, too. And yeah, that. friendships just have a wider range of acceptable, right? you know, yeah, you can... Standards are a little bit lower. Right. Because <laughs> I don't have to deal with your bullshit. I can put up with you for 30 minutes, so like, okay. Yeah, or, or plenty. It's like, you get to be what you are if we're, fr- you know, if, like if right. we're friends, there's a way wider... Sure. You know, and I can I can love you for all of your qualities. Um, but that romantic love thing is different because mm-hmm. you're sort of... Accept- because, because their stuff has a, you know... Can I live with that? Is mm-hmm. becomes the question. You know. Do you? Hmm, in your experience of times of romantic love, do you think that you are more vulnerable with those people than with friends? Than with friends, or just in a different way? Huh. I don't know. Why do you ask? Because I'm wondering if that has an effect on on this dynamic that you're talking about, right? Uh, the the need for the mutuality or the it feels like there's something about romantic love that gets closer. Yeah. Maybe it's just the sexual component and you're sharing bodies and sharing the vulnerability yeah, yeah, and yeah. or whatever shame is connected to that and you're mm-hmm. letting each other see each other in that way. So we don't do that with our friends. Most of our friends. <laughs> Most people don't. And so like, there's that special reserved arena. But I think it's also because in romantic love situations, we tend to spend more time with a person. Yeah. So they're seeing, we have more of that regularity. And yeah. So it's that combo, something, something about the regularity of the time and also the vulnerability of sexual connection. Yeah. Yeah, the physical thing is, is of course, part of it. It feels like there's something else there. I don't know how I would describe it, though. Hmm. It, feels like a, it feels like craving. Mm-hmm. It has felt that way mm-hmm. in the past of like, I just want more of you. Mm-hmm. And if there, if I have time, I just want it to be with you. You know, you sort of want to consume mm-hmm. the person. I have had that feeling. And would you say you have that feeling, ever have that feeling on friends, with friends? I have feelings with friends where I'm like, I'd be, it'd be fun to hang out with you all the time. Yeah. But it's, it's, it feels less like. Less craving. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I've craved friends uh-huh. in that same way. Yeah, we're kind of dancing a little bit into the territory of crushes here. Feels like, like, because there are there are friends I feel that way. Like, I get fired up or energized when I'm around them. Like, ooh, I'm so excited to see them. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting. So. Yeah. Okay. And level of vulnerability—that's an interesting thing. I, I have a I have a question I want to ask you too, but. But uh, before I get to it, I'm curious to take your question and turn it towards improv. So if we've got these, the Venn diagram mm-hmm. of the circles, yeah, and we can either do it as a third circle, mm-hmm. or we can consider it separately with just love and improv. Yeah, where do they overlap? Um, let's see. I have a couple of. I in some ways the answer is the same, kind of. And the way that I have thought about this lately, and I've said this sometimes in classes, is I feel like. When you're doing improv, there's a couple of levels. Number one is there's a way in which being an improviser makes me feel like I'm in love with the world because there, there is some amount of, I describe it as love when you are taking a real life situation and and recreating it on stage and mm. you're, you're becoming a different person. It's like this love letter. You, you, you sort of have to love the person that you're playing when you're creating a character. When you, you know, the, the care with which you pay attention to the room that you're in. And there's still environments that I've played in that I can think back and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm. And there's, so the, the kind of care and attention that you pay to the things when you're, when you're creating a scene, creating a scene and putting it on stage, yeah. making it live again or or bringing it into being that sort of feels like an act of love mm-hmm. in a way because you're also honoring you're honoring it the way that I like to play 
anyway, is that if you're playing a character, you want to honor who that character is sure. without getting too heavy and like, mm-hmm. you know, precious about the whole thing because it's not heavy and precious, but, but it's, but you want to play a real fleshed out human being. Like you just, that's all, that's always the goal is mm-hmm. to playing a real, play a real fleshed out human being and people are sort of complicated. And so the more nuance and attention you give to a character, the more sort of connected I'll say the more nuance and sensitivity I give to a character, the more connected I feel to that character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I loved her. Mm-hmm. I loved him. Like, what a, mm. oh, what a great character that, like what a lovely little person that was, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there's an act of love in bringing this thing into being mm. a place, a person, a story. Like there's, it's very exciting. And then the ways that, that, that improvisers played with one another can often be, sort of calling on all of the ways that we behave when we are in love. And in fact, mm. Rebecca Northern, who's an amazing improviser from Canada, did a little TED talk, like a TED, I think it was like a TEDx talk mm-hmm. somewhere, about how improvisers play like people in love. Mm-hmm. Like when you are in love, you do say yes to things that you might not in your normal life. And you are so curious about the the person that you're with and you just sort of want to give them your attention and you find what they say interesting and you're not in a judgmental place and you're sort of willing to go, go along with it and try things out and you're emboldened by it and enlivened by it. You know, it's like all of these qualities that, that I feel are the same when we are approaching a scene or a story with a partner, with a play, with a fellow player is like, yep, let's do this. And so, and, and there is a way in which what you're practicing with your improviser friends, with your fellow improvisers, is taking risks and being vulnerable together and supporting one another mutually. And that feels like love. Yes. So aside from all of the stories where I get to fall in love with the people in the stories, which is a joy... Mm-hmm. Because you're I falling to, in love with the characters. My character is fall, no, no, no. My character is falling in love with those characters. Oh, okay. Like yeah. my character is falling right. in love in the story, and that's just fun because you still get the little hit of like, oh, love is great. You right. know, even yeah. when you're just pretending to fall in love. But I feel like there is so much love in my life, and that and that's beyond just because I have people that I love in my life, but because this because verb, this problem. active pursuit yeah. of taking risk. It, practicing vulnerability, being supported, yes, honing attention, paying attention, having attention paid to me, like you know, playing with somebody's imagination yeah. is like really exciting. This this we stepping into that realm of shared control of creation, mm-hmm. creativity. That that to me is the thing. So you're describing this like, okay, we're gonna step out there on stage together. There's an audience out there. We don't know what's coming. Yeah. Well, we got each other. Yeah. And I'll put this hand out, and then you'll put this hand out, and yeah. then something emerges. And, then we're and we're gonna build something together. And boy, that just weaves this yeah. super intense connection. Yeah. And affection. Yeah. Um, and and that it is infused with playfulness feels also a part of love. That there right. that 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 play is sacred in the way that love is sacred, and that mm-hmm. this is a way that we connect to one another. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think play generates affection. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say it. Well, and I guess affection leads to love, but or, affection or can, is love. it can love. It can lead to love. Yeah, but I'm thinking of my new kitten and how she just wants to play all the time, and when I can take the time to do it, when she's not bugging the heck out of me with her insistence, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it leads to irritation. It's like okay, stop. <laughs> but but when we can play, it's so delightful. The mm-hmm. laughter that we share and. I, it creates this bond of like, yep, I'm gonna care. I'm gonna care for you. I'm gonna protect you because you bring me delight. Mm-hmm. You know, you you bring this lightness, this joy into my life. So, I'm you matter to me, and I will do what it it takes to make sure you're okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So, love immediately goes to protection. Yeah, and care. And some of that is self-serving. Like I, I want to keep sure, you around. Make sure you're around, so I still have you in my life. Bring me joy, yeah. But I think there's also a, a sincere altruism in it, altruism in it too. Yeah. That, that loving kindness of I really want you to flourish. Yeah. And so I think of that in the improv world as well. It's like you get on stage, you got your troop. Like I want you to shine. Yeah. I, you, your shining is going to be great 
whether I'm on stage or not. Yeah. Go for it. And there's that do what's needed thing mm-hmm. of like, you got this. Yep. You're rocking. Yeah. So I think that the play aspect of improv also generates an affection. Mm-hmm. Along with this, this, what you're talking about, about the vulnerability and the shared creation. But yeah. Simply the aspect of like, <gasps> we're playing, we're, <laughs> that, we're delighting in each other. And like, yeah. Active stance. Again. Yeah. So I feel like improv is just like peppered with love. Like improv and love are, they're like threads in the same, they're woven together in the same cloth. So, okay, does the, does improv generate that same kind of love with people who play improv selfishly? Like the, the kind of ego hogs come on stage and like, no. it's about me. No, so, no, so, of course okay. not. Of course not. Because they're not sharing that vulnerability, right? It's or, like, think about sex. If somebody's having sex, but it's uh, all about them. Interesting. I'm like, I am not into this. Okay. Yeah. Right? If it's all about one person, that's not, like, then we're missing the, we're missing the, that we're here doing this together. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that I should really make the, should qualify that and that's say the, that there is a, there is a kind of play that, that breeds this for me. Yeah, and so that's the part of the improv circle that's not overlapping with love. Is yeah, that, well... Right? Or I guess so. I mean, we don't need to be so technical because we're not going to put up a diagram here. Like, but. are there way, Like, what are the ways that improvisation and love are far apart? Well, I will say this for romantic love. Okay. When you're improvising, you play with everybody. You decide you're going to approach every... This is just how you're approaching the work. Mm-hmm. But there's some, but but romantic love means that you are someone's special thing, and they are your special thing. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's kind of a difference, I suppose. Mm. Although there's people that you play more easily with, and people you don't. You right. know, it's like there's people that you just like, oh, fall into it with. Right. You're well, and also your home troop. Yeah. Right. People you've committed to spend time to. Yeah. yeah. Spend, spend time with. Yeah. So as we're talking, I was reminded. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The one other thing that I will say is that I think because be, I think being an improviser, and maybe I already said this, makes me love the world because it makes me pay attention to the world. Yeah. Did I say that? Not on this episode, but you said that before. Not. Okay. Yeah. So it sort of increases my love of like, whoa, everything around me because yeah. it's starts to become more sparkle vibrant and, and sparkle. be interesting because it's like I might have to put I'm. I might get to put this on stage someday yeah. and I need to see how this thing works or how that thing works or like notice the color of that or notice the kind of tree or notice mm-hmm. this like the history it makes me love the planet. And one of the things that humans can do that other animals don't do is pretend to be other animals. Oh, interesting. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, the, I don't think we, well, I don't think that dolphins run around like pretending that they're humans. That would be really funny if we could understand them doing Amazing, it. you know, but we, we have the power to pretend. Right. So that also feels like this great act of of fulfilling the human potential is yeah. that we get we are, we get to together pretend all these other worlds. Yeah. I wonder to what extent the birds that can mimic sounds are enjoying it in that way. You know, like oh, a, a minor bird enjoying it. That can make a sound of a of a backhoe backing up yeah right does it enjoy doing it or is it just or is it just like this is what i do mechanistic it's instinct yeah, just doing my thing yeah have you ever heard and those? we enjoy it have you ever heard those i have unbelievable yeah it's it's like th- a thing out of a fantasy movie yeah it's crazy or a video game yeah <laughs> taking a sound file like a new ringtone <laughs> right the yeah. bird gets a new ringtone it's, yeah huh. yeah I was uh, recently talking with someone about the Bible hmm. and love, and we were talking about about Jesus. And so, in the in the New Testament in the Bible, there's the four Gospels that tell stories about Jesus. He talks about God's love a lot. Jesus does. Jesus does. But mo- when most people think of the way that Christianity talks about love, it shows up. In the the letters that are not in those four gospels, but letters that Paul, who was one of the early evangelists, maybe the first evangelist, a hundred years after Jesus was had died, that he went around all these towns in the Mediterranean and sort mm-hmm. of spread the message. Yeah. But then he wrote letters to those communities, and so the the piece about you know love is kind and love is love is patient, love is love, kind. Yeah, all that thing. That's Paul. 
And so people think of that as a Christian sentiment. Well, it is because it's in the Bible and it's become part of Christianity, but it's not Jesus saying it's that. Paul. Paul's a poet. It's a Pauline notion. Um, all that to say, what I find most moving from the New Testament is Jesus' stories of love. And they involve no matter what you've done, you're still worthy. Mm-hmm. You're still worthy of this kind of attention, affection, celebration, embrace. Mm-hmm. And so the story where there's a woman who's maybe sinned and maybe committed adultery and everybody's ready to stone her. And Jesus is like, oh, 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 hold on now, people. You know, have any of you ever sinned? And then they all kind of lower their heads and put their tail between their legs and slink off. And he's left there with the woman and just kind of holds her and is like, you know, I got your back kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right? Yeah. Um, or the prodigal son where the, do you know the story of the prodigal son? No. So there's these two sons. The father decides, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you my your inheritance while you're still alive. And he sees, gives them this huge cash outlay, right? And one of the sons stays home and tends to the farm and is responsible and manages his money. The other son goes off into the world and like spends all his money, uh, gambles, you know, who knows, like the equivalent of like going on a yacht, yeah, hanging out with women, yeah, right, hedonism, whatever. hedonism, a hedonistic life, and he loses all his money. Uh huh. And he's down on his luck and he ends up in like a pigsty. He's in the mud and the crap, and he just hits a low point. He's like. Oh, I'm going to have to go back to my dad and ask for his help. So he goes back. And when he shows up, the fa- his father sees him coming to the back to the farm. And is like, oh, my son has returned. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a big party. Mm. And everybody, you know, the whole community, and let's celebrate. And then the older son, is, or the son who stayed home, is like, Dad, what the hell? I've been here. You haven't I did ever the right th- thing. You never threw me a party. You know, how come? Like, I've, I've been so responsible. And here comes, you shouldn't celebrate him. And yeah. the father's like, chill out. Your brother's home. It's time to celebrate. Uh-huh. And it's that love of, it doesn't matter what he did. He's back. Yeah. We're going to welcome him. To me, that is a godly love. It's unconditional. Yeah. And there's something about reconciliation and forgiveness. And you can't injure this part of our connection. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It moves me more than other stories of love somehow. So there's something about that quality. And I think that shows up in mindfulness when we keep coming back to the practice. Yeah. So like it doesn't matter how many times your attention has wandered off. If it comes back, like, great. Throw a party. We're here. And and to celebrate ourselves, we're like, okay, I'm still here. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if that kind of unconditional love shows up in improv, except with the intention of I'm going to say yes to whatever happens and you can do whatever we can mess up and I'm not going to hold it against you. Yeah. Which I think is a very noble intention. It's very hard to follow through on. Yeah. Of yeah. course, that unconditional love is hard to follow through on. Right. No matter wherever it shows up, but right. it's part of what makes it so powerful. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a godlike love, I think, or a parental love. Yeah. No matter how much your kid messes up. You love them. You love them. Even if you can't, even if, even if you can't let him live in your house anymore, or even if mm-hmm. you, can, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, I think about it like addiction and that sort of thing. How many times yeah. you can take somebody back in, and and that that and that the that the love is not what's affected there. It's not that I don't love you. Mm-hmm. I still love. I love you. Let's see how how do you choose to express the love? I guess maybe or. Yeah, or there's just like a very real, I mean, it's like you could love somebody, you could love a partner unconditionally, but there are conditions on the relationship. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, so there's conditions on the relationship, but not on the love. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe, you know, I mean, that's, again, that's a very noble. Right? But it's like, of course, of course it's conditional. Of course this relationship yeah. is conditional, right? It's on the condition that we continue to respect one another, that you're not sleeping with other people. Right. And that, like, there are, there are, there are expectations around what a relationship feels feels like it's like not unconditional love but maybe you can reach a place where it's like this relationship of course is conditional like there we need to be playing by the same rules if we're going to be in a relationship but i will never stop loving who you are yeah like i love you even if you do something that means we can't be together anymore because it's not healthy for me or you right i guess that's there's that's a difference yeah 
and that that wound might that break in the trust or that break in the conditions might make the love hurt hurt yeah but it doesn't mean it goes away right maybe mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so for me there that's interesting as we're saying that i think of love intersecting with gratitude mm-hmm. as well gratitude feels very loving or gratitude shows up when i've had a loving relationship with someone and so even if that gets broken somehow i can still be thankful for that the time that i had that experience with yeah. that person yeah Mm. Yeah. Mm. Love. Okay. I love love. <laughs> love is great. It's pretty much the best thing. It's the best thing. <laughs> it's pretty much the best. <laughs> like it's totally great. Yeah. Yeah. There's like there is this part of me that's like like I'm not in love. I'm not in love right now. Right now. Uh and I'm like God, it'll be fun when I fall in love again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know where it's coming from. And I, we were talking about this a little bit, like I'm not actively pursuing it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of taking that stance of like, yeah, I can't know when it's going to show up so I can stay open to it mm-hmm. and, and allow it in when it comes. But it, yeah, love is so great. Love is so fun. And, and, and I, I feel lucky because I feel like I engage in loving in acts of love mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. I actively love people. I tell them that I love them. They yeah. tell me that they love me. Like I feel just replete. Yes. You know, which feels so good. And yeah. that and that includes love of children. Like I there yeah. are children in my life who love me who I love. And people of my generation and people of older generations and it just feels very like a well-rounded love portfolio i've got a pretty well-rounded love portfolio (laughs) roland and company (laughs) diversify your love portfolio love investments for the 21st century oh god oh man that's great love management i run a love management firm i could see you doing that (laughs) yeah I'm not sure what it so means. So you're really strong here. I can see you've got your romantic uh, arena really as well set. That's actually uh, a fascinating idea. I'd like to see you build that up. and uh, yeah. I'd like to see you some more neighborly love. Wait, I don't see you connected with your neighbors at all. Listen, and we're really going to, we're going to want to make some, we're going to want to make a couple of investments over here and, in, and, in parental love. And I see that uh, you really have chosen to leave the arena of government and political love. I'd, <laughs> I recognize it's hard right now. <laughs> I'd like for you to cultivate a loving kindness. Stay the course. Stay the course. Because, you know, when the shit goes down in other arenas. The love market is down right now, but it will correct. It will correct. correct. Well, upward trend. That's a pretty fertile metaphor. Mm -hmm. There's some good stuff in there. Okay. Uh, That's Lisa Rowland, San Francisco, California. Love management firm. Love. Firm love Mm -hmm. (laughs) management. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, my celebration for Valentine's Day this year yeah. is going to be all about this stuff that we talk about on the podcast. Ah, yeah. <laughs> because you and I are leading a workshop in the morning. For postdoctoral. Some PhD folks. Yeah, some postdocs at Stanford. And, uh, and then in the evening, I'll be teaching another episode of my playful mindfulness class. So it's good. That'll be it. And I'm doing a show. I'm doing a, an epic romance, an improvised epic romance show. Ooh. At Bats Improv. Okay, say more about that. What what does that look like? It is it is in the style of Dr. Zhivago or Dr. Zhivago or Anna Karenina. Okay. Where lovers, there are two people who are just madly purely in love and external circumstances tear them apart and over the course of months or years they fight to come back together. And do we know whether they're going to be reunited or not? Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think they are. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's ultimately feel good. Okay. That's what I think. So this is one of those funny things we were talking about, this kind of consuming, I guess we didn't talk about a whole lot, but projection. Mm. Like, is projection love? And you think about... Is projection love? Well, like, when people feel consumed that way, it's, it seems like in stories like that and in stories from earlier times, people would know each other for... A day. Right. And then feel like, oh yeah. my God, I'm consumed. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I'm familiar with the story of Alexander Hamilton and his wife, Elizabeth, uh, for example. Yes, right, yes. They like wrote each other letters over two weeks before he proposed to yeah. <laughs> ask her dad for permission to marry her. Yeah. 
two weeks is not very long. <laughs> and I'm like, what are they, what, how much time did they spend together? Yeah. And yet. They seem to be really in love. They were, apparently so, and they were super affectionate and dedicated to each other, well, other than his affair, but. Yeah. Hmm. How did that generate, you know? Yeah. Seems like a, an effective projection if it was projection. But I don't think, because they didn't have time to spit, to weave all that shared control, intimacy, and build that right. vulnerability. That's just like, I mean, boom, but, I'm so, but I feel like I have, I totally have people in my life who say, I knew right away that I was going to marry this person. Yeah. And then they did. They do. They do do that. Right. Uh, yeah, I haven't had that with a person. I haven't either. I had that with my with Luna, my cat, where I saw a photo of her and I was like, that's my cat. I don't know. <laughs> and her name pet, is Luna. Pet love. But, well, maybe I've had that feeling with other people, but it hasn't been mutual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. I can. Yeah. Hmm. That you know early. Of course, I guess I've never asked them, well, how many other people have you had that feeling about? Oh, good question. You know, it's like they're not talking a lot about the people who. Good question. They were like, oh my God, I'm going to marry you. And then they were wrong. Yeah. But. So, love at first sight? I don't know. I kind of think I don't believe in it, but some people say... Some people have experienced it. Or some people say, I knew on the second date. I just knew. It was just a matter of course. And I'm like, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) Or you're fucking lucky. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knows? Maybe maybe, um, one of these classes, you know, some arrow will strike. Would you like to be struck by Cupid's arrow? Cupid's arrow? What do you mean? I have my... Translate for yourself. Do you have a do you have a connection? Do you know? You got a, you got an in with Cupid. Hey, uh, yeah, this is Cupid's would office. I, would I like to be? Oh, you like an arrow? Okay. Uh, did you uh, want that silver I'll, tip? I'll, I'll, I'll dispatch. I'll dispatch Cupid right away. You're on the corner. Or what? Frig, friggin' Uber disrupting everything. <laughs> Cupid can't find his way anymore. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I I hope that you're. Not only your Valentine's Day, but all of your days are filled with love Thank and you. kindness, generosity, gratitude, mutual discovery. I Thank wish you. that for you, Lisa, and I wish that for all of you listeners. Mm-hmm. May love descend upon you like a golden rain. Golden? Wa- no, 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 it was no, gold. It was, no. it was really, okay. Let me try again. May love may descend love upon you. May love find you like a curious weasel. <laughs> No. Moving through the no, marsh. No, nope. no, no. Nope. Uh, hey, we wish you love. May love surround you like a, a blanket on a cold night. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> that's, that's, not, un- that's not objectionable. Okay. All right. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's enjoy. get out of uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Happy February. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. Next time. Ciao. Episode number 41. That, as they say, is that. That is that. That is love. <sighs> Such is love. Such is love. How was that for you, Ted Demizon? Lovely. Oh, well, yeah. that works. No, I... Is there anything rising to the top for you of what we just talked about? Well, as we mentioned, I just think it's a great thing. Love? And, yeah, and what a, what a great... <laughs> what a, <laughs> well, you heard it here first, right. folks. I'm, I'm so wise. No, I, it's it's resonating for me. It sort of comes to the front of my attention that way, and that I kind of think it can be cultivated, right? So when you were talking about loving the world, like you go out into the world, you bring this engaged, yeah. curious approach, then the world comes alive and it just feels better. Yeah. And yeah, and then I notice, of course, like the the thought patterns around romantic love and like wanting that and there's something special about that and yeah because it's absent for a while in my life does it have a certain what's different about that desire and why isn't that there just is more something relaxed though and, but it I is know, something different about it so that's what's up that's what's i'm yeah. aware of right now yeah we didn't really dive into like well why is it i mean we talked we started but yeah we did not answer that question and maybe it's just the that, that you get that element of lust added in yeah and vulnerability and pleasure and it's a sacred thing. Yeah. So it might just be that. But that's kind of what's up for me is those two pieces of trying to bring this approach.
approach to all of life and then mm -hmm. also yep i really still want that yeah that romantic love mm -hmm. yeah 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 mm -hmm. to be someone's special person how about you i also want that mm -hmm. but that's not actually my takeaway okay i liked it i think actually the thing that i <laughs> liked the most was the idea of diversifying uh -huh. your love portfolio like i think it's really important to have a diversified love portfolio love and maybe that's just because currently i really do yeah and so it's like, oh yeah, everybody should have this. And that, you know, uh, but. Well, we are partly here to share your wisdom, so bring it. Right. But I actually, I think there's some truth to it mm -hmm. that, that you can exercise love in different ways and with different kinds of people and it's different kinds of love. And all of that is, is really fulfilling and enriching. Yeah. I, I, that's a fun, and it is an investment. Mm -hmm. So it. There's some nice parallels there. Yeah, and there might be some market volatility. There might be some market mm -hmm. volatility. Yeah, great. You might, you know, your 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 market might end real far down at the end of one day. Great. It doesn't mean it might not bounce back the next. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. apropos at the moment. Sure. Well, so listeners, if you have any thoughts about love, mindfulness, and improvisation, we hope you'll share them with us Aww. by sending a note to info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yep. Perhaps you've got some stocks, bonds other investments we might make you can let us know about them <laughs> yep. i don't even know what that means i don't either but uh, hey if you got an idea let us know yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and uh and we hope you have a uh, a wonderful valentine's day and beyond yep have a good one love each other love yourself and, uh, and love, the, love, love you. the world and your animals yeah and we'll talk to you we'll see you next time big hugs bye